It is no coincidence that Meathead Hippie not only falls on 808 of 18, but also on <laughs> the dark moon. People, there is shit going on in the skies. Uh, this is the moon book that I love, the Many Moons book by Modern Women. I'm going to try to get this uh 2019 version, since this one's sold out, the 2019 version I'm going to try to get on my T website, Herbal Element. But guys, this is deep. This is so good. Uh, let me talk about my obsession with August 8th or the number eight. Uh, it was just one of those moments in college when I was trying to figure out my my path and I didn't know it. And I had always loved, I always loved uh, the number eight with soccer. And then I started finding, you know, the soccer players that were number eight that I just also loved. Um, but there was like a very vivid moment when I was, uh, I got picked to be on real world, but there is, the, they, they have to go through the second audition process on camera. And I was like, what the F am I doing? This is crazy. And it was like the first skyscraper I was ever on. And I just remember being in Chicago, like, oh my God, this is crazy. What am I doing? And then, you know, they were like, I was like, what floor? Like eight. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And it just happened again and again and again and again. Uh, the next fitness star, when I was like, what am I doing? It was floor number eight. Anytime I'm not sure about my life, an eight comes up. And it's just so cool to me because, you know, I'm all for omens and signs and spirit animals. But for something um, like the number eight, when you look at it, it's just like it's always going to be okay. Uh, it's not infinity, right? So it's not this just infinite amount of energy. It just is like the security blanket for me. And so on August 8th of 2008, I went skydiving, uh, you know, and every, every day since or every year since of August 8th, I have, um, done something special and it's just so cool. I just realized it's been 10 years. So for 10 years, August 8th has been my pretty much my first birthday. And now I get to share it with you guys. And the, the craziest thing about this is that, I'm I'm in some big transitions. This could not be more relevant. I feel, you know, somewhat crazily grounded for the amount of things going on. The gym is about to open. Platform Strength had our first photo shoot yesterday. We are opening September 22nd. We just launched the Body Awareness Project Part 2. We are in the middle of rebranding a little bit with this... Um, empowered word that's empowered you guys you get it and this Facebook page that I really really love and we have all this amazing stuff happening like I just can't even explain it this energy that I feel from you all and from the people in my life but with that becomes uh, like I've talked about a little bit in my Facebook lives kind of that chaos right so it's easy to just feel a little lost and this August 8th through August 10th, through this book, this is the only way I know this, this book is incredible, it's um, The Dark Moon, and I, I was like, what the hell, my day, of, my best day of the year has a dark moon, but then I started reading it, and I was like, oh, I can't wait to read this to you guys, so this is the first starting line, shame is the lie someone told you about yourself, a nice nin. Manifestations of shame in others are that of the non-constructive critic, the blamer, the defensive defender, the controller, the aggressor, the passive-aggressive bully, the psychic vampire. While it can be hard to pinpoint some of these archetypes while we are dealing with them in the moment, 
the endless, painful, impossible, large sinkhole inside our stomach during or after a run-in where nothing or no one will ever be good enough, worthwhile enough, healthy enough, happy enough, clean enough is usually a giveaway that we've been shamed. No level of enough is ever enough. This internalized, sharp-edged hunger can leak out into all interactions with others, being overly critical of our loved ones, friends, strangers on the screen, or random people at the mall. This behavior feels the need to contact perfect strangers on social media and insult them, use gossip and ridicule of others primarily as a connection device, and pick apart unknown members of one's community. It is a hex that hexes in both apparent or intangible ways. This hex grows and feeds on itself. Now for all my perfectionists, this is for you. Perfectionism may be, by large, the largest societal accepted byproduct and behavior of shame. It is a shield as well as a distraction device. If we must be perfect, that will most certainly take up all the energy for living life. Perfectionism is a cover-up for shame, a crutch for feelings of vulnerability. It is enforcing a cycle of shame-based and shaming blame and behavior. Perfectionism can feel like a never-ending sinkhole, sucking out all the energy of a process. Perfectionism is also incredibly exhausting, as nothing or no one could ever be perfect enough. This behavior is never satiated. If it is never satisfied, it will always have places to hide the shame and hatred. It will always look at people who are happy and content, empowered and excited, particularly people who shouldn't be happy because they don't abide by societal standards of beauty, behavior, or success. These behaviors are distractions that keep the blamers from looking at their own deep-rooted seats of shame, sadness, and unhappiness. These behaviors also keep us completely separate and alone, when at our base it is our vulnerability that needs to be expressed. It is our heart that needs to be acknowledged and seen, our humanity that needs to be witnessed in order to give us support and comfort, safety, and self-worth. Oh, this is deep. Okay, here we go. Perfectionism also can be a stand-in for a deep, deep fear around the messiest, least controllable, yet inevitable outcome we all face, which is death. Oh, jeez, I'm going to skip this part. Okay, so then we get to this next part. Then this talks about how we deal with shame, how people that are trolls tend to be really awful. Uh, and then I'm going to get into this part that I just posted on my Instagram because I'm obsessed with it. Shame, however, can be a teacher. It, it can very specifically, very painfully locate our deepest, darkest fears. These also are almost always either related to our early childhood and upbringings or to jarring episodes that happened in our life. These deepest, darkest fears are sometimes also linked to our deepest, darkest desires, what we would, what we would like above all else if we could have anything we want, a life with more time, a life with less stress, a life of less caring about what others think of us, a life of dignity, of bravery, of service, a life of adoration, of love, of acceptance, a life of joy, creativity, fun, laughter, a life that sometimes is what our deepest, darkest fears and our shame are stopping us precisely from experiencing. Whether we want to manifest great heaping barrels of abundance or happiness, evolve our consciousness more, lighten our load, enjoy a little less physical pain, or simply lower our stress, working with our shadows will always be useful. 
it is always useful to check in with our ego, to see how far away it wishes to fly away from the towers we built. Looking at our shadow is to look at ourself. The ego, the sun, our consciousness, our awareness, will always have a shadow. In fact, the brighter the sun shines, the more opportunities there are for the shadows to come out. I love that. Our shadows are states of vulnerability. They're natural, healthy, and normal. Part of having a shadow is acknowledging it and getting to know it. Use it as a teacher and a guide. Play around with it. See what it needs. It might need nature and start staring contests with cats. It might need to be snug and say, you don't own me, while dancing around a dirty kitchen with spinach on your cheek and mismatched socks. <laughs> Gentle and powerful witch Fierce, an indescribable spellcaster, sexy, ingenious wizard. You are not alone anymore. You have the stars and the trees, the waves and the wind. You have the caverns and the friendly internet and friends who love you and see you. You have your guides and flickering tea lights and the twinkling tornadoes of energy that well up in your body waiting to be used. Yes, you are imperfect. So is your favorite song or the pebble you took home with you from the beach. Yes, you are wounded. These are gifts in our wounds. There are gifts in our wounds. These gifts teach us what we are capable of, what we have survived and how we have thrived, how we have chosen to not pass our pain on, how much we are committed to loving and accepting ourselves in all our imperfect wholeness. You can deal with your shame. You can give yourself understanding and patience. You are part of a growing web of wonderful weird witches who are doing the same. You are perfectly whole. There is nothing wrong with you. There was nothing ever wrong with you. At this dark moon time, as we are so prepared to ripen, to harvest, to work on blooming even more brightly than before, you may wish to have a check-in around shame. Where do themes of shame pop up in your life? Where do you use shame as a weapon to create distance from yourself and others or even from having an intimate relationship with yourself? What are some recurring limiting thought patterns that hold you back? How are they based on your self-worth? How are they linked to shame? And then they talk about some tarot card pulling that you can do, but I think that what you should do is just ask, why is my shame surfacing right now? What is the root of it? Why does my shame, what does it need from me? What does my shame need from me? What does my shame want me to release? What is my shame holding me back from expressing or doing? And what lies on the other side of forgiving myself, of laying down this heavy burden and working through my shame or other painful emotions? I have a tattoo on my side that is an eight and it is a snake. And the reason I picked a snake is not because it's my spirit animal, but because it is so powerful when you think of the analogy of a, sh a snake shedding its skin. And no matter what, that snake can look one way and then completely transform into a brand new, fresh, beautiful, creepy <laughs> reptile. And that was just my analogy that I got in August of 2008 that I can create any life that I want. And I think the biggest piece is understanding that the life that you're letting go um, is not something to be ashamed of, but the life that you want that you can't get yet is probably being limited by a belief system that we don't quite deserve it yet. Whew. 
I love August. <laughs> I love August 8th. I'm so happy. This just brought me so much happiness to share with you. Uh, if you're not a part of my Facebook group, jump in. Empowered is what it's called. It's linked in my bio. Uh, if you are new to me, I'm Emily Schramm. I am so excited that you're here and listening. I have a great guest, Katie Garces, who's going to be really talking about all the things I just said. Uh, and we really are just, I'm just glad that we had a great conversation about all the things that I know you want to talk about, which is relationship with food, intuitive eating, transitioning, careers, business, and also um, just kind of quieting the noise and understanding ourselves a little bit more. So it's so up your alley. And that's all I got for you. Okay. Enjoy. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Garces. Welcome to Behead Hippie. We got our audio issues figured out and I'm so happy you're here. Uh, we have so many people in common that we know and I love it because we're both in Denver and the people I've known the longest in Denver, you also know. So that makes me super happy. I feel like we're connected in all the degrees, right? I know. It's <laughs> great to finally connect in yeah. real life. It really is. Um, I just am really grateful because a lot of my clients have the things that you talk about the most, intuitive eating and kind of that constant battle that we have with ourself. And, you know, we are, we kind of, for all my listeners, thanks for joining us, but we, we were having some issues and she had just jumped into a beautiful intro and then it all got messed up. So I'm going to make you do it again. But I just am so excited to start with hearing how you started this journey because I feel like there's always this moment, right? Did you have a moment where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore? Yeah, it was pretty clear. Mm, it I, really was. And I, I think sometimes it's like, it just takes a lot, a lot of oops and a lot, a lot of, you know, looking in the mirror and not liking it to finally get to that point sometimes. And so I would love to hear about your, your moment and then we can work backwards from how you even got to that point and then what you do now. Yes, exactly. So I would say it's been a little bit over a year. Um, I am a nurse practitioner and a nutritionist, and I've been at this whole health and wellness gig for quite a while. Um, and I feel like I, I initially got into it because I, I wanted to understand where I wanted to learn more about nutrition and health and weight. Um, and I was always kind of looking for maybe that quick fix or that perfect diet that I wasn't going to have to struggle with anymore and tr struggle to keep weight off. And I feel like that because of that, I was either always on or off a diet or a plan or a program. And when I say off, we're talking way off. We're talking like pendulum swung the other extreme. So I was either eating super clean, super perfect, so proud of myself, or like the opposite, uh, absolute opposite way. And if anybody out there has experienced this, which I'm sure they have, yeah. that gets very old. And that gets very exhausting. And every Sunday you're like, okay, what am I going to do tomorrow to clean it up? What am I going to do? You know, what plan or program am I going to do again? And so I found myself sort of every couple months, it would be, you know, okay, I'm doing great, doing great. And then kind of fall off that quote wagon and have to do something else. And just years and years of that, um, got really exhausting and I turned 40 and I don't know if there's like some magical number about that, but I just kind of stood back and said, I am 
done with this. I am so tired. I want to find what I like to call that gentle middle where, I mean, I know enough. I have enough nutritional information and background and knowledge to know how to eat clean and eat healthy for my body. I don't need to rely on any program book, you know, blog, podcast, whatever to tell me how I need to live and eat. And I always say there's nothing wrong with any of those things, they're so important. They're so important to teach us about food quality, food prep. Um, sometimes we do need to, quote, clean it up. But it's when we rely on those programs, when we keep going back to them because we we feel like we're these opposite extremes all the time. So it's really about finding that gentle, that gentle middle, getting the education and the knowledge and the nutrition basis that you need for yourself, and then... Um, making it your own and, and being in a gentle place with that. And so, yeah, it was about a year ago. I was just like, I'm done maybe almost two years ago. And it was actually around the holidays, which is a crazy time to try to, um, I guess just experiment. But I decided I was going to kind of experiment with intuitive eating because every January 1st, I was like a hot puffy mess, right? Because I had just let it all go over the holidays because, you know, we can, right? It's the holidays. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to have to rely on another detox or a program to get myself feeling better and kick my habits and that I had developed through January or through December. And so I just kind of let all the rules go in a way, like if there was a, you know, special cookie or grandma's fudge or whatever around Christmas that I loved, instead of, you know, eyeing it from across the room for two hours and then finally like diving into the whole plate, I let myself have a piece. I enjoyed it and I moved on. And that sort of permission to enjoy those things that I knew were special because of the time of year, um, that because I was able to enjoy them and move on, I didn't end up overeating them and I didn't end up feeling guilty and then saying the next day, oh, I had three pieces of fudge. I'm just going to eat all the things today. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, and we've all been there. And so it was just a really refreshing experiment because I came out the other end of that, not a, you know, hot puffy mess. I actually hadn't gained weight and I felt pretty darn good and I couldn't believe it. I was kind of like, wow, this, this intuitive eating stuff might actually work. Yeah. So, um, that's when I really kind of dove in head first and have been using it a lot with my clients and people have just found a lot of freedom in that and a lot of peace. And I feel like those of us that really struggle with this relationship with food diet roller coaster thing, it's just exhausting. And we want to find that Peace with well, it. yeah, and it's, it's so beautiful because it's this moment where you're staring at the fudge and you're like, I have failed myself so many times where I just had one too many and then it turns into the all in hot puffy mess, as you say, but it's this moment of, am I going to trust myself? Am I going to believe that I am going to have a, an end sweet switch or an off switch? And then it becomes a, like, I th probably when that moment is like, I'm finally present with my food. You know, I'm finally mm -hmm. able to have that moment with myself. And when you do it once, it's easier to do it again. And it's easier to do it again where you're like, I know I won't just go crazy and eat the whole stack of cookies. I can do just one. And that's just honestly terrifying for <laughs> so many people to start, right? So it's so it good. Is. I yeah. had this, um, I would love your thoughts on this. I had this great I was listening to Oprah Soul Sessions, as I love, and yes, um, I have this private Facebook group that I was talking to about this, so some of them have already listened to this, but it was like, when you have those extremes where you're all in and then you're all out, I'm very curious if it's somewhat of our personality and our tendencies that I think we learn about with Gretchen Rubin, or mm -hmm. if it's also what I kind of put together recently was 
you know, the vibration that we seek is sometimes the vibration that we're not. And so mm-hmm. as we're trying to like match, you know, we want something, we are trying to get to that place, but it's like everything that we are doing in our day-to-day life doesn't match up to that. So it's, you might have it for three weeks, but then on week four, it, we, we go back to where we started. So, mm-hmm. uh, what are your tendencies? Do you have certain tendencies? Like when it comes to Gretchen Rubin stuff, are you a moderator? Are you a obliger? Do you know kind of where you I'm, are? I'm a questioner first and foremost. And then interestingly enough, I think in certain aspects of my life, I'm definitely a moderator. Um, I feel like, like in the past, if you've told me I, I could never have something again, that would be the only thing I thought about. So I'm not quite sure that I'm a, I'm an abstainer. Um, definitely a moderator. And then from the questioner aspect, it's I I will totally get on board with it once I have done my own research and got all my answers, my questions answered. Then I'm like, yep, I'm I'm there. And that's kind of how it was with the intuitive eating. I I'd read about it for years. I learned about it in school. But until I kind of proved it to myself mm-hmm. and was like, you know, okay, this is the proof. That I was like, oh yeah, I'm on I'm on board with this because cool. it sounded great before. It sounded <laughs> fine, but I'm like. That's that's not for me yeah. until I actually was like, I think I need to embrace this. So what outside of that first kind of post-holiday thing, we were like, oh, I haven't gained weight. I actually feel pretty good about this. Let me dabble. Um, what is even, what is the next step in dabbling in intuitive eating for somebody that this seems so far away from something that they could even begin? Kind of like how both of us probably were at some point. We're like, yeah, that sounds really nice. But also not, you know, I just don't know if it'll actually happen for me because I've tried that all. So what are some fun ways, I guess, fun being a loose term of getting somebody to like dabble in this intuitive eating? Yeah. Well, first of all, you're right. It is, it can feel very scary when you start, especially if we are somebody who has been eating and living within a framework for, you know, months, years to just all of a sudden be out. I kind of call it like the wild, wild west. Like there's no, there's no framework. There's no yes or no list. So a lot of people are like, I don't even know what to eat if I'm not following a plan. And so that can be scary. And I just want to acknowledge that, that that's a total normal feeling at first. Um, But what I do recommend is if you, you know, you have some basic nutrition knowledge. I I recommend just kind of sticking to real food in general. You don't have to stick to something super strict or some super, you know, but real food in general will help our bodies continue to crave real food. So what I I always say to people is we crave what we eat. So if we're eating a bunch of crap and a bunch of sugar, we're going to continue to crave it. Mm -hmm. If we start really sticking to the real food, and again, there's, it can be a little loose for people. It doesn't have to be, you know, really rigid, but just in general, real food, cutting out the crap, the processed stuff, our bodies will crave that. And that's a really good place to start because then we can say when we're a little bit more in tune with our bodies, we're a little bit more in tune with what we're craving and what our body's asking for. We can just sort of pause, take a moment, say, okay, am I really wanting more protein today? Or does, is my body really asking for more carbs? And I'm not going to be scared to death of eating carbs because maybe I used to be scared to death of eating carbs. But if this is what my body's asking for, then I need to honor that, acknowledge that and choose the carbs that I know are going to serve me the best, not go you know, to town on a bag of chips, but you know, maybe find those sweet potatoes or whatever. And again, that those sweet potatoes are going to taste good to your body if you've been eating real food. Um, Not to say that you can't sometimes just go have some potato chips or whatever. That's okay too. Like life is not going to end. And that's a huge component of it is if and when you do do that stuff, not spiraling into that guilt, shame place where that's, I think where a lot of people get caught up is that, oh, I ate the chips last night. So I've 
thrown all my progress out the window and I'm just going to eat like crap for the next week. You yeah. Know? And I love um, this because if you listen quickly enough and it could just be craving oatmeal or craving sweet potatoes. I, th- I love that you said that the more you eat it, the more you crave it. As we know with, as nutritional therapists, that's so true because we're like getting micro minerals and micronutrients that are actually mm-hmm. feeding our body like zinc, for example. I didn't know this until recently. All my anti-vegetable people, uh, mm-hmm. if you get more zinc in your body, you'll crave more vegetables. So mm-hmm. just naturally increasing zinc by eating more vegetables will help you want them. So it's kind of a fun like example of exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because when we ignore those signs, because in our head it says, no, stay away, stay away, stay away. That's when we go for the carbs that aren't as great, right? The ones that are all sugar or donuts or whatever it is. Again, it's okay if it happens, but um, listening quicker to those signals and trusting that those signals are okay to have. um, Mm -hmm. My favorite is like, do you do oatmeal? Do you do um, oatmeal Sometimes. Sometimes. I like – I do a lot of like yogurt bowls with like oats, like um, like the kind granola. Like that's more my yeah. shtick. But like uh, a year ago, I've been like that's way too high in carb. Ah, yeah. See, mm-hmm. this is good. This And a lot yeah. of my listeners will relate to this, especially as this keto phase is like mm-hmm. taking over the world. Uh, I think this is really good. That, so I'm going to tell you guys my favorite carbs so that you fear it less in case you're – on this keto train, which is okay if that is your journey. But at the same time, if you're craving carbs, listen. And post-workout, my absolute favorite is gluten-free oatmeal with like cacao powder and protein Mm. and just like a cookie. And that's like one thing that I was terrified of having for years because it was just so keep low carb, keep low carb, keep insulin down, keep cortisol down. And it was just – it completely backfired. And I know you had an experience with this as well with adrenal issues in your workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love if we could talk about that and kind of how those two connected together, I'm sure. Absolutely. And I think it's a, my story is going to speak to the whole carb thing and why they're not always <laughs> bad. Um, when I first started in the paleo world and the CrossFit world, I went super low carb. I was CrossFitting way too much, which a lot of us tend to do because we get really jazzed about it. Um, and I was super lean, super lean. So it was all working. It was working great until it stopped working. Right. It was too much. It was, you know, I was in school. I was working on my business. I was still working full time at the or not full time, but I was working at the hospital. I had sick little ones. I mean, you name it, like the stress was through the roof. Um, I was learning about adrenal fatigue in school, but that will never happen to me. Right. Until one day I literally couldn't get off the couch. And so I still was like, I just got to CrossFit harder and go lower carb because the weight was coming on despite not changing a darn thing. It was that adrenal, you know, crash and the cortisol. So, um, I finally had to sort of surrender after really resisting that for a while and let my body heal, did a lot of research and learning about that. Um, long story short, I now actually need and consume more carbs. And that is actually what helped me lose some of the weight, which again, had you asked me that five years ago, I wouldn't touch a carb, you know, with a 10 foot pole because I felt like that was what was keeping me lean. And the the purpose of that story is that our bodies change over time. You know, what might've worked for you in your twenties, thirties, even a year ago, doesn't necessarily work now. And it's okay to experiment with adding carbs or adding fat or adding more protein or whatever it is. Just experiment because your body is a dynamic changing vessel. And um, sometimes when we, like I said, when we get in tune with it and it was saying, give me some damn carbs, girl, 
and that's actually, I actually started to lose that, that weight. My body needed those carbs so badly. So it was like, thank you for listening. And we were both happy because it needed the carbs and I enjoyed eating them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Especially when you haven't had them in a while. I love right, that. Right. Well, talk to me. You said, you mentioned briefly like this, cause this is where a lot of my clients are. Um, well, I just, I have one person in mind. Uh, her name is Megan and she's in this Facebook group. She just posted this. So Megan, this is for you because she's in that transition stage of she's, her body is used to going, going, going and seeing results. And, and then all of a sudden this transition of, I have to slow down, but this is killing me mentally. Mm-hmm. So I would love if you could help talk through how you were able to get through that. Cause I think that's something, of course, I have absolutely struggled with, and it's, we talk about it so much in the adrenal repair course for you. What was that? What is, what was that transition? Like, was there just an injury that forced you to stop? Was there just a final, like a coach that maybe said, nope, or was it you just finally saying, I, okay, I can, I can slow down. Yeah. Well, um, being a very similar, um, personality, it sounds like to Megan where, you know, go, go, go type a gotta be perfectionist. Um, I had had multiple practitioners. I had multiple coaches tell me you have got to slow down. You have got to, you know, eat more carbs, exercise less, take care of, you know, the stress management piece, step away from business for a little bit. And I did not want to hear it. I did not want to hear it. I was going to take care of it all and, you know, do it and, and rock it. Um, and like I said, like I, you know, I would get, I could barely get through a CrossFit workout and then the rest of the day I could barely get out of the couch and off the couch. And I just remember saying to myself, this is not how exercise is supposed to make me feel. It's supposed to energize me and make me feel awesome. Um, the weight was coming on instead of going off. And I just realized, I think it just kind of hit me. I, I had kind of come, I, I use a lot of sort of spiritual, personal development stuff in my own coaching because, because of my own experience. And I just kind of came to a place of, I know that this is, this is no longer, I I have no longer have control over this and I need help. So I basically just came from a place of surrender. I just need to feel guided. Um, and I, I believe that I was, and a lot of that was just stepping back. I was introduced to some, you know, like Gabby Bernstein and some, just a whole nother way of thinking and trusting that there might be something bigger and better out there for me if I can just take a breath and let it, let it show itself. And so I, part of my re- recovery was, or my adrenal, reti- adrenal fatigue recovery was walking, listening to some of those podcasts and some of those audiobooks, and just letting myself settle down for probably the first time in my adult life. And it was really hard at first. Cause like I said, this is not how I'm made up, but, um, just really trusting that that's what I needed to do. Sort of listening to those shoulder taps, you know, we all know those like little whispers or their shoulder taps, you know, Oprah talks about these a lot too. And like actually listening to that and saying, okay, okay, show me what you got universe, you know? And so that was about a nine months, um, process of letting myself recover, walking, yoga, stepping back from the intensity, stepping back a little bit from work. Um, and then I realized I was like, okay, I started to feel better. The weight started to come off. I was starting to get some movement in. I found a really good coach, um, who was aware of my you know history and wouldn't let me push too hard. Um, so I think a lot of that is just to kind of answer your question is kind of reconciling that within ourselves mm. that, even though it might have worked again this way for us for a long time, it's not working now. And it's time for us. This is a lesson for us to learn. This is showing up in our life for a reason. So what can I do? How can I look at this? How can I, as opposed to just barrel through like we've always done? 
So I it's a lot. That. I mean, it's part of growing up, I feel like, even yeah, no matter but, how old you are. But I know. But e- yeah, even I just feel like if I didn't tap into this more now, like thank God for this podcast and thank God for my own adrenal issues because it would have taken me forever to understand the spirituality piece, which is, you know, meathead hippie. We are both meatheads, but also just digging into this hippie piece because I think I'm like fascinated by the tendencies that we have uh, that – you know, you see it with yourself and then also with clients. It's a, it's a type type of person, right? It's a very mm-hmm. specific type of person. And I'm very curious the root cause or the root um, drive, right? So when we're in that go, go, go state, just is it how we were born or is it our belief systems that we have? And so like, which, which one can we change and which one do we have to learn how to biohack in a way, you know? So I'm just very curious. I'm going to ask you some questions if you don't mind, because I think yeah. this is so funny because I started this, um, the hustle gene, hustlegene.com. And I was like, I just want to know what people like, what are their, is it their sign? Is it their Zodiac? Is it their, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, so what is, is it your, what is your sign? I'm Gemini. A Gemini. Okay. And do you know your Enneagram number? I'm a three. You're a three. See, there's. I just don't know. And then, have you? What had, are you? I'm a seven. I'm a total okay. seven. Guys, if you have not done the Enneagram test, go take a free one. E n n e a g r a m Enneagram. It's so good. I love taking that. Um, and then maybe the the other questions I had was, did you have any like uh, concussions at all no. in your life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just who, certain people. So I think that was the biggest thing is like, how do I get my mind to be still? Because no matter what, it will keep, whether it's like the workout portion is what helps me feel still in my head. And so then how did I replace that? And I think it really is uh, just doing those walks and listening to those spiritual talks for sure that can help drive mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that awareness that there's something more for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, – I mean, my personal opinion about how we get to this place, us that are really driven this way and almost drive ourselves crazy. I think some some of it is the way we're wired. And I think a lot of it can be, not to get too like psychoanalytical, what we experienced growing up and maybe what we um, witnessed. Or, and I'm not talking about major traumas. I mean, everyone thinks, oh, I didn't have any major trauma. And there, there can be these almost covert things, not these overt things, but these covert things, these sort of um, things that we heard but that maybe we, you know, process deep down inside and we said, I'm going to be better than that. I'm going to be bigger than this. I'm going to go, go, go. Let me prove it to you. Let me show it to you. And so sometimes we can't even, we don't even, aren't even aware of that until we start digging and thinking and, you know, therapy is not a bad thing. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, if you find a good one. Um, and I just think it's interesting. And I, I don't think any of this personal development um, stuff is, I think it's all fascinating and you're just going to keep uncovering and you're just going to keep learning and growing from it. If that's the, the attitude you choose mm. as opposed to, Oh my gosh, this is me. I'm stuck with this personality or I'm stuck with this past or this experience. Like I think we can grow and learn from everything. And I think we should. And that's when I think life gets interesting. And the tools that you mentioned, like the Enneagram and stuff, I mean, it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. When I found out I was a three, I was like horrified. I'm like, this is so like embarrassing. And just like, because threes are, I mean, depending on how you, what book you read, they're achievers, but they're also like, um, overperformer. Like they need all the positive strokes. My, and all the, my you know. boyfriend is Bradford's a three. Oh, okay. <laughs> so okay. I so you're very well. familiar. 
yeah. Oh my gosh. And so I was like, no wonder I get so like devastated if, you know, a blog post falls flat or, you know, uh, something like that where I feel like nobody else would get Yeah. Because your contribution to the world is that. That's that's your purpose. And in a way that's not a, I need validation, it's just somewhat of an extension. So it's like a difference, a differentiation that's really hard for to understand, but I totally get it. And Enneagram helped me understand Bradford in mm. a way that I never would have really gotten it just from face value, you know? Right. What is his work? So he is um, the CFO of like a restaurant company. So Smashburger, if you're familiar with okay. Smashburger. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good old okay. Smashburger. <laughs> they have okay. they have gluten-free buns, by the way, which are really nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good to know. Um, but, yeah. For yeah. me, I, it was this whole sort of existential crisis because I'm like, here I am in this online business where you know, if I didn't get, like I said, like that positive, you know, feedback or whatever, I'm like, why I, am I in the wrong business altogether? I mean, it was this whole, like, it really shook me up. But like you said, once you kind of dig a little bit deeper and learn about your number and learn about like the, those sort of positives of it, like it can actually help you grow that much more. So that's been a really interesting um, journey. Oh, so yeah, good. I definitely recommend people take the, the free test and um, check it out. Yeah. Cause I, as a seven, my aha moment was so sevens. If you guys aren't familiar, sevens are seriously, everyone pause this and go take the Enneagram test. Uh, the seven is creative and has to go, go, go. And as soon as a project is almost complete, you're on to the next. And I always felt like the psycho person that was like, why can't I just be content? I am, this is, you know, I always felt so guilty about having to go, 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 go in relationships and life and anything. And that Enneagram gave me peace at like how to cope with it for you, mm -hmm. just because this is so relevant, because there's so many people that are working on blogging and getting, becoming an NTP and an NTC or a nutritionist or creating their own business as a trainer. What are some ways that you help navigate that? We, I've had a few conversations with people that aren't quite in the health industry that, you know, how to, not take things so personally as you're trying to grow, but we're, we tend to be slightly empathetic. And so what are some just personal ways that you've helped um, yourself kind of separate, but also stay so connected? Right. I think for me, one of the most important things was trying to get rid a little bit of that comparisonitis, right? I mean, we all have our mentors and people who are out there killing it like yourself, um, you know, and we, we look up to them and they, we, we model ourselves a little bit when we're getting started after off, off these people, yet we're not them and our business is not going to look exactly like theirs, nor should it. Um, and so I think that's part of it is, oh, I'm not, I'm not as successful as her or my, my blog doesn't look at, you know, or I don't have a book or whatever. So there's that comparisonitis piece that we really have to step away from. And then I also just try to remind myself, like, there are people out there that need to hear what I have to say from me. You know, you could say it or somebody else could say it, but for whatever reason, the way I present it or the way I put it out in the world is going to resonate with my people. Yeah. And so it's just a matter of me. I feel like it's my responsibility. Um, I think Marianne Williamson talks about this a lot too. It's my responsibility to get my, my message and my word and my truth out in, in the world, not necessarily for your people, even though I'm hoping some of this does resonate with your people, oh, it will. but, um, but for my people, for the people out there that need to hear what I have to share the way I the way I share it. Right. And so I truly believe that if if this type of work is put on your heart, um, so for the people out there who are studying or trying to trying to do this, um, I, I think if it's put on our heart, it, it is our responsibility to do the work and to find our people and know that even though it feels hard sometimes and it feels like, where are these people? Like I've got like five people on my newsletter list, right? <laughs> like that it it 
if we trust it and that we're on this path for a reason and that we're guided, then I do believe that it will, that this will come for us. And so it's, it's hard. It is hard though. Cause we want it and we all want it all now. Right. <laughs> yeah. right? Um, but I love it. I know you've had a, you've worked your butt off. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, while, right? it has, I mean, it's interesting because it doesn't feel like it's been that long, but it's really been eight years, you know? So I think that that's sometimes hard for people to understand is like it really, and I wish it would have happened the day I started, you know? So I think it's just always, um, it's easy to see something and just think it just popped out, but it really does take, well, the reason I love it with you, and this is why you're going to speak to so many people, um, through this is because you started up, I mean, you still are, are you, do you still practice nursing? Not anymore, no. I love that you pivoted. Like that was something you clearly love working with people. And that is something that it's just like, that's your thing, right? Is just being able to heal. You're a healer. And then what, talk to me about that transition. I've, I actually have a couple nurses in that transition are curious about that mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. okay, I'm still, I'm a little jaded by this situation I'm in. Uh, I don't feel, you know, I don't know if I'm really helping. I feel a little bit lost in the system. It's getting worse. You know, for you, whether that's nursing, my listeners, or whether that's anything that's relevant to fitness or nutrition or health and health and wellness, talk to me about that transition. When did you say I need to take this somewhere else and I'm gonna find a, a program and that whole process? Right. For me, I mean, my my personal story was that I'd had my kids. I was still working very part-time and, and I wanted to be home and I wanted the flexibility of being around for them more. So I was working like one, two days a week as a nurse practitioner, um, was going, went back to school to get the NTP and then started building my business. And the idea was as soon as that was able to sort of take over, you know, compensate for what I was doing, um, at the clinic, then I would leave. And it was interesting because even though I got to that place, I still hung on for like nine more months or like a year because, you know, I worked really darn hard to get that degree, those degrees, that position. And I, it was hard for me to finally release that because that was a really huge part of my life for a long time. But at the same time, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to give a hundred percent the way I wanted to, to sort of my new, career and my new calling, if I was still kind of keeping that toe in that pond, you know? And so I finally just had to, to just, I just finally decided to make that break and it did, it opened up space, even though I was literally working a day a week, it opened up almost like energetic space for me to really dive in hundred percent with what I wanted to do with my business. Mm, and how did you know with nutritional therapy, you know, like for was, did you always feel a little bit stuck as a nurse? Did you feel like that was your calling and then it changed? I think that's going to be helpful for a lot of people that are kind of in the question mark stage. I actually do. I felt like it was my calling and then, and it changed. I, you know, I went again, personality thing right into ICU nursing, right. Intensive care, like adrenaline, like let's go hard, you know, working nights, you know, um, grad school, same thing, acute care nurse practitioner. So working with the sickest of the sick. And I felt like I learned and experienced so many awesome things. I loved that job. I loved that position. Things definitely shifted when I had my kids because it wasn't just about me and the adrenaline junkie thing. How old are they by the way? They're seven now. I have twins. And oh, they're seven. No yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, cool. um, so that, you, you, you know, you kind of, I think that's just another piece of growing up. Like I didn't need to get the adrenaline piece at work anymore. I had had a really great experience for many years and I was like, okay, what, what's next? And, mm-hmm. and I did feel at that point a calling for more. I had helped people in one 
form in the hospital um, as a nurse and a caretaker. And then I was ready to kind of help people in a different way. Um, so I think it kind of naturally evolved from the health into nutrition. And then the nutrition piece has evolved into a lot of the spiritual and personal development coaching, which is primarily what I do now. And I love it because it's what you're preaching to your clients and even on this podcast with intuitive eating is the same thing you did with your career. It was an intuitive switch. So I'm sure, you know, we're kind of like doing the, like the storybook, storybook version and like, you know, skimming over the oh shit moments. But at the same yeah. time, it's just really when you felt pulled to a direction, you listen to it. You know, and so I think that's, it ties in directly to food in so many different ways. Uh, what do you think the biggest things that are a must to pull, to go by what is being pulled, right? So if you're feeling pulled in a direction, how, and maybe somebody listening is like, I've never been pulled in a direction, or maybe someone's listening and like, yes, I am. What do you have to have around you to, to finally take that step, whether it's with food, whether it's with, uh, your career, like what, were there any things common in both of those that you remembered, like that were always there? Is it just, you just got to go for it or is it the people around you? Yeah, I think for me, and it's interesting that you, you know, put that together with the intuition with changing careers, because I never even thought about that. So very cool. But I think for me, it's, again, it's those, those little whispers that just kind of get louder and louder until you can can't really, um, ignore them anymore. And I think we, when we try to ignore them or we try to kind of shut them out, um, we can have some almost like internal, like almost like that cognitive dissonance. Right. And it's just this sort of dis-ease. I talk about this internal dis-ease and that, that I think, um, shows itself in our life. So, you know, we're not in the flow and the synchronicities that we love to see aren't happening. And I think when life feels like it's just kind of rumbling along or you feel stuck, like that's when you kind of got to take a step back and say, okay, what's really going on? Why don't I feel like I'm in the flow? What, what do I need to do? And if we're able to quiet our minds enough, um, to get out of the chitter chatter, that's constantly there and really listen to what is, inside, because I truly believe all of this sort of all of our answers are inside, we just have to get quiet enough to hear it, um, which is also hard. And that's a whole nother conversation, you know, meditation and all that. Um, but it's so important. And I think once we can get to that place and, and really, truly listen to, to where we're being called, it's that gut feeling, intuition, whatever you want to call it. Um, sometimes it takes longer to to say, OK, I'm going to do this. Um, and sometimes it's like, oh, hell yeah, like, let's do it. And so it really depends on I mean, it took me a long time to finally step away from the medical field officially. Right. That was a hard, hard break. Um but once I did, I knew it was the right decision. Mm. Same thing with food. I mean, that was hard to step away from, oh, what detox am I going to do next month and what plan? And because it was all I knew and it was mm. a safety net, right? And to go out there without it was kind of like, this is scary. But if we don't step into some fear, sometimes we don't have a chance to grow. I love that. Can we, can I ask a couple these, and we can totally just have a conversation. There might not be an answer. So I'm just going to say uh -huh. it because it was the first thing that popped in my head is the things that we're not in control of, right? Which is our business. And uh, sometimes like, you know, the next launch or the next creation or, you know, when we're putting things out there constantly, it does feel like we're a little out of control. And so it is good to always feel in control of certain components. Um, and I'm curious, just your thoughts on that. Like what, you know, for me, I feel like when I can control certain things and I can't decide if this is good or bad, because I think all of us do it in some way. Uh, at what point is, does control become too much and control become a, a, a tool? I guess is, mm. is, and that's what I always like try to find t 
fine tune is I feel like so many times we want to control everything versus controlling just a couple things that give us that base, that foundation, those check marks. Like, I, okay, I will take my supplements. I will drink enough water. Uh, I will be out of control of my food, but I can control my workout. But then at what point does that control just start back into um, us being kind of neurotic humans? Neurotic, right. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like I have definitely had periods in my business and my, you know, relationship with food where I am totally, you know, micromanaging and controlling every little aspect. And if I had to give a visual to how that felt, it's almost like if you're in like a boxed room and you're just kind of literally banging your head against the wall, like you can't get out the, the, I almost envision like almost like heavy metal music. Like it just feels dark and hard and you're banging your head against the wall. And I want to feel in the flow. Like I mentioned, like the, my opposite view uh, of that, or my opposite visualization is like floating down like a nice, like mountain river or whatever. And I don't even know where the destination is. I don't know where I'm going to end up, but I know that the sunshine and the breeze and the ripple of the river and all of that feels so good compared to that box that I'm banging my head in over here. And so I can get myself in a place where I'm micromanaging and over controlling. And I kind of step back and be like, why do I feel bad? I'm like, Oh, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm in this box and I want to be more in the flow. And so that's when I just step back and say, what can I control? What do I need to trust and release? Um, and then believe and believe that it's gonna, it's gonna work out, you know, to the highest good, because when you release control and you kind of give it up a little bit, um, I always say the universe wants to give us our desires and the universe wants to have our back. You know, I, I like to use the analogy of, you know, biking into the wind versus having the wind at our back. And when we feel like we are in control of absolutely everything, which we're not, um, it can feel like we are biking straight into the wind. And when we can release some of that and surrender some of that and just truly trust that, Hey, I'm going to do the next best thing I know how to do every minute of my day to the best of my ability and give the rest up and trust, then that wind comes at our back and all of a sudden things start to flow and things start to fall into place and life just feels a little easier. You know, having your own business and doing some of the work with intuitive eating and stuff, it's, it's not easy always, but it's very simple, right? And so we can just, if we can just sort of let that go and just keep putting one foot in front of the other and really trust that all of this has been put on our hearts for a reason, um, then I, I almost guarantee that you're going to find yourself in a really beautiful place from it. I love it. One of my last podcasts was actually quite literally an organizer. <laughs> so she she was like all about letting things go, right? Because mm -hmm. you're getting rid of them. And it, the best thing she said, if you guys haven't listened, I'm just going to repeat it. It was about how we so many times with things that we or we're holding on to them because they feel special or they feel good. And it's just some sort of your fists are clenched. Therefore it must mean something. Right. Mm -hmm. But when they are clenched and you're holding something that whether it's air or whether it's an actual object, if you have them like that, there's no way for the universe to give you the things that are ready for you. And so having, mm -hmm. being able to let them go and that is when things happen. And I've seen that with the business coach I just brought on, you know, with businesses. It's just so true. It's so literal. Like as soon as you let the shit go as hard as it is, and you just say, I'm going to float down this river, which that sounded so magical. And I want to do that. It, <laughs> the door, the doors open. And it's just, yeah. I love, I love that. Uh, I want to get into some of your steps. So you have an intuitive eating program, um, 
all of its links. So I want to really dig into some of the things that you tap into and just kind of get some comments on it and then make sure everyone go check it out. It's a beautiful site. Uh, Making friends with food. I love this because I feel like our relationship with food is the second most important other than the relationship with ourself. And it's mm-hmm. the hardest to feel like we can master. And so I love some comments about how to help, uh, that kind of relationship, right. With things that you've done with your clients and yourself to start looking at food as a friend again. Right. Right. And I feel like if you are somebody who has struggled with your relationship with food or with on and off dieting, you most likely view food as, I don't, I mean, the enemy sounds kind of harsh, but potentially, or at least a constant struggle in your life. And if you think about it, you know, our relationship with food is our longest standing relationship, obviously, other than ourselves, you know, from the moment we're born, we need it till the moment we die. So why not drop the struggle and say, Hey, like we're in this together. Like I need you. I need you in my life. You are food. You are my sustenance. Like let's walk down this path, like hand in hand. Let's walk it down this path together as opposed to continuing to like bang our head against the wall or just be in opposition. And I feel like that's, again, kind of a cheesy like visual. I'm full of them today, apparently, but, um, I like them. if we can make <laughs> friends with food, it just, it just drops some of that stress and some of that angst around it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being like, okay. And you know, the food, and this might be the next thing you're talking about. If we, if we can take the good and bad labels off of that food, um, food is neutral. Um, if we call it good or bad or otherwise, it's just what, it's just the label we're putting on it. And so when we can take all that, um, just make it neutral, we're friends, we're in this together. Let's just like go down and take one step at a time, one meal at a time, one day at a time. It just becomes so much easier and a lot less energy that we spend worrying about it and stressing about it. That energy can go a million other more positive places in our life. Um, and it's amazing the amount of energy and space we open up when we stop obsessing and beating ourselves up Mm. over food. And I think that's kind of this final piece I want to talk about. So just so you know, I don't know if you know this, it is a total dark moon the next three days. Have I, have you said, have you seen this yet? I've heard that, but I don't really know what that means. (laughs) Well, so my mom, I'll, the intro to this will actually kind of explain it a little bit more, but it's really about, uh, this kind of face to face that we have to do with ourselves and Mm -hmm. we have to face shame and the shame that we put on ourselves. And it talks about how perfection, perfectionism is sometimes our, our way of coping with shame. And I, I was kind of mind blown when I was getting into this, but tomorrow is when that starts. So August 8th, since we're recording on Tuesday and it happens to, I mean, I'm obsessed with eight, eight and then it's eight, eight, 18. So it's like my favorite day. Uh, and I was so fascinated by like, this is huge because I think this opens up an opportunity for people in this moment with intuitive eating and with how we feel about ourselves when we don't do what we think we should do. And that feeling of, I am a failure and I effed up and I just, I hate who I look like. I hate who I am. And I think all of us have hit this and we still no matter what, no matter our relationship with food, how good it may seem, I still think we can have those moments. So what is a way when we have those, oh shit moments, like I really did eat, I'm trying intuitive eating and it didn't work or I kind of fell off or I went a little bit too crazy. How do we cope with that shame in a way that we stop this self-hatred cycle? What are some ways that you talk about that? Right. Um, And it is a cycle because shame is one of the worst feelings we can feel. It's, it's kind of this sneaky feeling that we don't like it. And for those of us who, um, 
tend to maybe emotionally eat or overeat. Um, if we kind of step back and look at the feelings that we're having, so shame, maybe one guilt, um, there's tons of you know emotions that we eat through, but usually it's the unpleasant emotions that we want to get rid of. And a lot of people do that with food because food makes us feel better, right? And people do it with alcohol. They do it with shopping. They do it with, you know, a zillion things, hopping on our phone. You know, what, what can make me feel better right now so that I don't have to feel this way because I messed up and I'm a failure. And so instead of, and this is the, probably the hardest work that I personally have done. And I think it's the hardest work to do, um, instead of immediately numbing out or reacting with food or any of the other things, to try to sit with those emotions, at least for a couple minutes. And just, and that has been advised to me for years. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> um, but to really, truly do it as opposed to just, I mean, it is so easy to get a quick fix nowadays, right? Like I said, the phone, the food, anything, anything we need is at our fingertips. And so instead of doing that, instead of reactively doing that, if we can just sit through that feeling and it will pass, um, I oftentimes say, even get curious about why you, quote, did that to begin with? Why did I overeat? What, instead of judgmental, that's huge. Because if we're approaching it with curiosity, as opposed to you suck, how could you do this again? You know, that just starts that cycle all over again. So get curious, try to sit with it as opposed to react right away. And it's a practice. It is a practice. This isn't just like, oh, I decided one day I'm going to start intuitive eating. And oh, I never emotionally eat anymore. No, of course not. I'm human right? Um, it wasn't just a light switch. It was a light switch in my brain, but habits and behaviors, those are long ingrained, right? And so it's a practice that I still work on every single day. So having that self-compassion, I think, and the awareness is so huge. Um, and I usually just invite people to just start getting curious when they're starting. It's not just like, okay, intuitive eating day one, I'm going to, you know, um, yeah, listening to our body, listening to our cravings, am I hungry? All of those things are important, but I think the most important thing is just get really aware of how you're feeling and why you're feeling that way. It really comes down to our feelings. Again, sounds kind of cheesy, but no, it, it is it's true. It, 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 it what drives it. And I like when you feel it in a certain area, right? Like, so mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of people feel that tension in their throat, like the, th I always talk about chakras. Like, is it because you're not saying the thing that you want to say? Um, mm -hmm. is it because at work you feel like you're not in a place to express your, you know, your, what you think your job should be or whatever it is. And then mm -hmm. a lot of times it's like in your heart. So I, I do, I love that you said that, like sit with it and see where it feels uncomfortable and point that out. Like just say, okay, and start Googling, like what chakra is my solar, <laughs> solar plexus? Mm -hmm. Like what does that represent? And then you can tap into the spiritual work of what is relevant to you. Like I just, I looked up specifically, I felt very ungrounded and you know how we can with business, like finances can just kind of when they happen, they happen fast. And it's like, mm. oh, I feel a little off the center. And how do I get grounded? Because finances and root chakra. And I know you talk about this mm. in one of your programs about sexuality. So I'm sure it's all tied into the same kind of confidence of who you are as a mm -hmm. being. It's like, I had to, I had just did a meditation, a 20 minute meditation that was specific for root chakra. So you can mm. dig into that rabbit hole in those mm -hmm. moments. And that's, that's, what's going to change somebody's, um, habits too. So I think this, that was perfect. Yeah, it wasn't completely. cheesy at all. It was perfect.
Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. so relevant to the to the dark moon that all of us are going through yes. right now. Now I'm gonna have to Google that. <laughs> I know. I know. It's it's pretty uh, ominous when you read it, but I promise. I do think, just like you said, when you get uncomfortable, that's when that's when the best things happen on the other exactly. side. Exactly. Well, my final question for you. This has been so wonderful. Uh, final question for you is: Do you know your spirit animal? I don't. And I was actually listening to one of your podcasts the other day. You were talking about that. And I was like, oh, I need to like, because I did a test once and I don't remember what it was. I want to say maybe an owl or a fox. Ooh. But I don't know. I don't I know. Can, I need to look it up. Okay. I can send you both and you can, okay. you can let me know. I think that would be fun to see what yours is because you're very... Yeah, you're you're dialed in. You're intuitive. So I I'm just I feel like Fox speaks to me for you. But owls okay. are owls are like all knowing, all seeing, and you could also be that. Maybe you're both. Maybe. <laughs> Do you have a spirit animal specific quiz that you like, or just any of them online? So that's the thing is, there's no quizzes that I love that have all the animals. So uh, sometimes that's a good place to start. But I do find I really am just obsessed with this book. So um, I did a podcast with this guy, and that was a great place to listen and kind of hear his own. I mean, he wrote the book, so it's more of like the shamanic practitioner place of like he's founded on a spiritual journey. It was pretty intense, mm. but he, his name's Stephen Farmer and it's called Animal Spirit Guides. Okay. Uh, for my listeners, this is linked in my Amazon favorites on my um, Amazon favorite links in my Instagram, but it's just a really big list of animals. That's all it is. And it's so fun because you just want to know, right? But I have found that it's, it's like all things with food or exercise, like it takes a little bit of digging. And then when you find it, it's like that much more special. So I have just said the thing that it usually is for people is something that it's not always what shows up all the time or what you're drawn to. Like for me, I'm drawn to whales and elephants and turtles, but those are very slow and deep animals that I'm, and I'm not that human. I just crave that. So it tends to be something that's shown up a lot in your life, especially as a kid. So mm -hmm. if you were in, you know, like with me and my dad, uh, we would visit all these, um, he did like, you know, works with a lot of elderly and they all had hummingbird feeders. So hummingbirds were mm -hmm. always our, our like little thing. And I just, I didn't want to be a hummingbird, but I, when I read it, I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's something that's <laughs> always been in my life. So mm. that's kind of a good place to start. And then you just start reading it and then you can kind of dig in that way. Okay, cool. I'll definitely yeah. check it out. Yeah. I'm glad you asked because a lot of people ask me and that's, that's exactly what I would tell them. So Cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, I like I like asking for signs. I like when I see like a little ladybug on my, you know, shoulder, mm -hmm. I'll go Google. Okay, what what does ladybug mean today? And That's, it's really cool yeah. because oftentimes it's exactly what's going on or it's like exactly what I need to see or to hear yeah. about where I'm at in my life. So, I truly believe that like the universe is always conspiring in our favor and it's really just up to us to to open our eyes and and see these signs and listen to these whispers in these shoulder and hear these feel these shoulder taps because it's all around us. It like really I'm, is. I see 1111 twice, almost twice a day, every day. I'm, <laughs> I big, I'm big into the numerology stuff. And so, yeah, it's I go. 808 for me. My mom, mm. my mom is a ladybug. So my mom always mm. shows up. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much again. Um, I know that they know where to find you via links, but just if they're driving, if they're kind of on the go, where can, where can they find you? What's the main place? And also your Instagram. Yes. So my main place is my website, which is katiegarces.com. That's G-A-R-C-E-S. And I also have my intuitive eating program right there on the top. 
Um, really simple two-part audio. I'm a huge audible person. And so I tend to do the, that stuff for my clients as well. Just easy to listen to, easy to just sort of um, soak in while you're driving or doing the dishes or whatever. And um, we talk a little bit about what we talked about today. I go through steps. I go through other fundamentals of intuitive eating and just a lot of sort of, for me, it was really eye-opening eye stuff when I started to dig into it. So I, I know it's been, um, people have really felt like they got a lot out of it. So I would love for you to check that out and Instagram at Katie Garces. This is awesome. I'm so glad that we finally connected and we the gym opened soon, so I hope I see you there. Yes, absolutely. Yay. I can't wait. I'm so excited for you. Bye, Katie. Take care.